Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the latest edition of Buckeye Talk featuring Bill Landis, Doug LaMaurice, who is on vacation with his wonderful family, and Ari Wasserman. Doug's taking a pretty good vacation, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Ye- Yellowstone. I always get Yellowstone and Yosemite mixed up. He's it's a, the he's same thing Yellow- to me. He's in Yellowstone. <laughs> he's in a big park out west. Yeah, I'm not a big outdoors guy, but um, that sounds fun, especially if you have a family to go hiking, maybe sleep in a tent. I like air conditioning and down comforters, but that's just my preference. Yeah, my girlfriend has been trying to persuade me to go to Yellowstone for like two years, and I've been hesitant to agree because I don't think I'd enjoy it like after a day. And I'm not... I'm, Six foot five. I'm not sleeping in a tent anywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, to each his own, I suppose. If you like parks. So, cat's out of the bag now. Yeah, uh, you should have introduced uh, me as Cleveland.com and you as Cleveland.com for three more days. I'm at Cleveland.com till Friday. Uh, and it was probably the toughest decision I've ever made in my life uh, to leave. But the good news is that this is not a fair I would, I would explain it a little more. Just, just in case there are people who are podcast listeners. Who may, I mean, they follow us all on Twitter, who may or may not have missed the news. I have taken a job with The Athletic, which is a startup company that has um, started subscription-based sports journalism sites in Chicago, Toronto, and most recently Detroit and Cleveland. And as part of the Cleveland market, they wanted me to cover Ohio State, and they... um, you know, had some good things to say about maybe the future of journalism and, and stuff and offered me an opportunity that I thought was the right thing to do in my life. That being said, uh, I believe that Bill and Doug are the best team a man could ask for in this business, and Aww. it's going to be pretty tough to wake up in the morning and them not be on my team. So um, this is not the Farewell Podcast. Um, we are going to be doing another one in Chicago for Big Ten Media Days at the end of July, and I think the general hope is that our bosses or employers can come to an agreement and we, the three of us would like to keep this together. And I would still be on the podcast because let's be honest, my uh, perspective on things (laughs) is generally different than theirs. And I think that that kind of spices splices well together. So we hope to stay together. And if it gives me an excuse to still work with Bill and Doug at least once a week, that would be great for me. So yeah, Buckeye talk. We'll, we'll keep going. Um, Doug and I are still working at Cleveland.com. Ari will be at the athletic. We're hoping, like Ari said, the three of us will still be able to do Buckeye Talk. Um, but we will continue in our normal Wednesday weekly format moving forward, and hopefully it's the three of us. Because um, we've, gotten, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, and I feel like a lot of the feedback when you announced that you were leaving was like, what's going to happen to the podcast? I'm I feel like, like everybody was a yeah. more... It's like, I can't write, but what are we going to do about the podcast? So, um, anyway, so let's just get into it now enough. I don't want to cry. Um, we Sorry, have some questions. Amazon. I was excited. Uh, what did you return? Uh, I ordered, uh, you know how people 
say to like buy like exercise balls to sit on sometimes. Like if you sit at a desk a lot, you buy an exercise <laughs> yeah. ball to sit on one. Well, that bought, looks miserable to me. I bought, a, yeah. I bought a high weight limit one, obviously. <laughs> um, and when I took it out of the box, it had a giant hole in it. I was trying to pump it up for like an hour, and it wasn't pumping it up, and there was a huge gash in the side of it. So I had to send that back. And I'm kind of stunned that you did that because the idea of up. sitting on one of those things for a day at work, like sometimes in movies when people work at like cool visionary places like Google, that's their desk chair. And I figured I, I thought to myself, I'd rather die than sit on one of those for an hour. But hey. Um, so I think this week, if I'm not mistaken, our Buckeye talk is just going to be a general conversation about Ohio State based off of questions that you guys gave us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we have a theme or a topic, but uh, it's in the off season and we've basically talked about everything. So um, first off, uh, do you have one that you wanted to start with, Bill, or do you want to go with me? Yeah, I have one. Uh, first of all, this is a fresh question. just came in mere minutes ago. Joe in Nashville says, how about a little love for uh, Kane's Chicken? I have nothing but love for raising Cane's chicken. I think later really on a, we're going to rank. It's not really uh, a question, but I think we're going to rank chicken it. nuggets from from uh, fast food places a little bit later in the podcast. And I generally don't think that the raising you Cane's, said that like it's a discussion we had, <laughs> we had prior. No, we're going to get no, to it like later. I like the idea. Yeah. No, that's some, a question from Twitter. Somebody asked me so to rank. That's the rank nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I don't think it. that Cane's belongs in the nugget family. So that's just oh, my okay, general we can have opinion. That conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what's let's get the football. This is like a I – mean, we try to avoid football slash basketball, and we can just keep it on football if we want to because I think the basketball question is probably pretty obvious. Um, Quan Tran asked, um, can Ohio State have a perennial top 25 program only recruiting Ohio? Never going outside of Ohio. Can Ohio State have a perennial top 25 program? Why don't you feel that, man? I, that's a good question, I think. I think it's a good question. I think we actually talked about having that as like a prolonged podcast discussion at one point. Um, in basketball, I'll just say quickly, no, because um, the talent's not as deep in Ohio. Like every now and then, the 2018 class in Ohio is really good. The 2019 class is pretty good. The 2016 class wasn't great. Um, so like it, it, there's a lot of ebb and flow to the basketball talent in terms of, of prominent national talent in Ohio on a year-to-year basis. So you can build a very strong program, I think. Perennial top 25, I'll say no, but maybe close to it. Football, I think it's a different beast. Um, there's probably, what, 10 to uh, maybe, maybe like 8 to 12. Are we like, asking if, if Ohio State can have a prominent top 25 program? Recruiting year, only Ohio? Recruiting only in Ohio. I mean, they were a top 10 program, predominantly recruiting Ohio right. with Russell. I don't know if you could live in a world where all 25 of your your players, All 85 are from, players are from Ohio. Are from Ohio, but I do think that if that were the case in an imaginary world, top 25, 100%. Because a lot of the programs that are in the top 15, top 25, have a lot of very meaningful players that Ohio State didn't have room for that are from the mm-hmm. state of Ohio. So not knowing as much as you do, obviously, about the basketball talent in this state, obviously it takes a lot less to be a really good program. If you have three studs from Ohio every year, you could have a good program. Um the problem I is know, they could leave after a year. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit harder to build a program in basketball. I think Ohio State would certainly be a top 25 program recruiting only Ohio, and I think that they might even be top 15, fringe top 10 maybe. Can, can you compete with the likes of Alabama and Clemson if you're only recruiting Ohio talent mm-hmm. every year? That's a absolutely different question. not. That's yeah, it's a different question, question, but absolutely not in my opinion. I think that's the reason why Ohio State is competing with Alabama and Clemson. It's because they're recruiting nationally. And I think that... When you look at the end of the Trestle era, I think past 2006, once they lost to Florida between 2006 and 2009, I think people were generally displeased with the fact that Ohio State had seemingly reached a ceiling where they were recruiting Ohio predominantly. They were dominating the Big Ten, but then every single time they met a 
perennial program, whether it was Texas or anybody else in a bowl game, and some of those bowl game losses, despite the fact that they won the Rose Bowl in 2009 beating Oregon, that they had reached the ceiling under Trestle. And then when Urban Meyer took over, they opened the borders up, they started recruiting nationally, and uh, I think they've taken the program to heights that Trestle has never taken it, uh, never did take it, excuse me. So, yes, Trestle did win a national championship, he played in two more, the program was a top 10, top 5 program in the country, but I do think that recruiting Ohio only in terms of like the predominant base, of course they still recruited Florida and got guys from other states, but Ohio was the flavor of this team when Trussell was here, and I think they reached a ceiling when they weren't getting those dynamic five-star talents from other states. The quarterback part of that would be interesting, especially if Herbert Meyer, if in this hypothetical, Herbert Meyer is a coach, like, Maybe this is too tough of a question to ask you to put you on the spot. In your time covering Ohio State recruiting, how many Ohio quarterbacks have there been that were good enough to play for Urban Meyer? Well, I do think that Troy Smith was good enough to play for Urban Meyer, but I wrote a story three years ago wondering if Troy Smith had ever even been in a class here. Because he was a three-star kid. He was a three-star kid who was a – I mean, Trussell took Troy Smith as a favor to Ted Ginn. And I don't know if that favor exists anymore in terms of if Ginn says we've got a two- or a three-star kid here – um, he's not being ranked, certainly, but if you take him, he's going to make you proud. And I think Trussell really trusted Ted Ginn. Not that Urban Meyer doesn't, but they, they had a relationship that we've written extensively about that was transcendent in terms of how they you know built Ohio State together at times. So um, I think there are a few. Um, how many has he recruited from Ohio in the time since? The only one I can think of is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and like one that's obvious is Mitch Trubisky, but they took took JT Barrett over him in uh, so 2013. if they would have taken Trubisky uh, instead of Barrett, then maybe Trubisky would have been a three-year starter and they could move on after Trubisky to Burrow this year. Mm-hmm. And like I guess if you made up an alternate pass for Ohio State football in the Urban Meyer era, um, they could have – because Braxton was from Ohio. So they could have right. started with Braxton and gone to um, – Trubisky. Trubisky and then gone next to Joe Burrow. So I think that they have had guys in the state, but if you're noticing all the guys they're going to bring in now, Tate Martell's from Nevada, originally from California. Emory Jones is from Georgia. And a lot of the guys that they're recruiting in the future are from other states. So that's the Dwayne one. Dwayne Haskins from Maryland. Haskins is from Maryland. How can I forget Dwayne Haskins? I don't know. Uh, but I think that that quarterback position is they identify one a class, and that guy is their guy in that class. And for the most part, I think it's kind of been 50-50 more so than anything. So I do think that there's enough talent in here, but that's the one position. That's a good point that I think would be weird. All right, let's go to another question. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, yeah, this is from Tyler Dixon. Which Buckeye in the NFL would you draft back onto the team to help get a national championship this year? Pick one player, I'm assuming at a premium position of need, to bring back to Ohio On State. On this team? To bring back... A player from Ohio State currently in the NFL who you can bring back onto this team and that makes them a – I mean, they're already there's a only two. There's only contender, champion There's contender. only three options, I think. <clears throat> so I know one. One option is Zeke, right? Because yeah. that's obvious. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Joey Bosa is probably obvious too. Joey Bosa is obvious, but I think that you could make a case for Mike Thomas. Yeah, that's where my mind went first. But I wonder if there's like some recency bias that are happening. Like who were some – Guys who have been in the league a little bit longer than that. I don't even know if there is. I mean, you could. Of all the, Devin all, Smith. Of all the Ohio State talent that's currently in the NFL, like the best ones are the guys who have been drafted in the last two years, right? Yeah, but I do think that Devin Smith was a unique. If you had to take Devin Smith's college career and compare it to Mike Thomas's college career, I think I would take Devin Smith on this team. 
I mean, I, I don't know if we're factoring in how good they are in the league right now or if you could just remove them from the NFL and put them back into their best form of college. If you could put Devin Smith on this team in his final year at Ohio State, I think that that would be the type of thing that Ohio State would need the most in yeah. terms of his ability. And we talked about him a lot in the last week's podcast about his ability to jump and his deep throw threat. And like he was the true – Ohio State's got plenty of people who can cut across the middle and catch a 12-yard slam. I don't know if they have anybody on this team that can jump over a defensive back in the end zone and catch an underthrown pass the way Devin Smith could. And I don't even know. Mike Thomas made some pretty miraculous catches himself. That one at Maryland two years ago really jumps out at me. But um, other than that, I think that... I mean, his catch against the Devin Spencer threw him in the sugar, sugar Bowl was incredible. I think people forget about how good the catch was because it was Evan Spencer throwing the ball and it was like a perfectly thrown ball. It was the best pass I've ever seen in my life. Full I mean, extension, like one foot down. Like, that was a hell of a catch Michael Thomas made. Yeah. But I think I would pick Bosa. Yeah, I mean, Bosa, I mean, I don't know. They have their, their defensive line is their strength, so right. it's kind of hard. You'd be, you'd, you'd he's be the best player, I think. He's definitely I think the he's best the player. best player. He's definitely the best but player. But I think that it would be between Devin Smith, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and Michael Thomas. And I don't know what's the biggest need on this team. Do you need to upgrade Mike Weber more than you need to re- upgrade the receivers? I don't think you do, even though I think that Ezekiel Elliott is a major, major upgrade. Obviously, the guy's one of the best players in the NFL right now. I mean, that's a really tough decision, but I think I might go with. Mike Thomas. I'll say two things. Um, For this team. Right. I'll say So, offensive line would be interesting, and I know it's not sexy, but if you could, like, bring back Taylor Decker and put him at either right or left tackle. You would say the offensive line. Well, I'm just saying, like, they have – there are questions on offense, and I think two of them you are put a how stud. good is Isaiah Prince going to be and who's going to play right guard. If you were to bring back Taylor Decker, and then you know you're right, both your tackles are good, or if you brought back Pelt Elfline and you could put – Billy Price back at guard and Pat Alfine at center, then you know you have those two spots solidified. So it's interesting to consider. And the other thing is this. If we want to get, like, majorly hypothetical and, like, erase past injury history, everything, bring back Braxton, Braxton Miller put him a quarterback. Right? Braxton Miller was my pick for best quarterback of the Urban Meyer era. And I know that that is a uh, controversial opinion, but... That guy was the most dynamic player in terms of offensive skill set, even more so than Ezekiel Elliott that I've seen on my time on the beat. And I know that that might be a controversial statement, too. Braxton Miller, go watch his three-minute quarterback highlight video on YouTube and remind yourself of what that guy was capable of. So, um, it's one thing. All right, you got to make an answer. Just say an answer. Who are you picking? Uh, I'm picking Michael Thomas for all the reasons you said um, earlier. I'm a, I get, whenever you talk about Braxton Miller, I get mad. That I wasn't here to cover him. My you first see, you saw the Penn State play, right? Yeah, like I watched him play. I was at that game um, in the press box. He used to cover Penn State, um, but uh, he was not he-, he was not a healthy quarterback by the time I started covering Ohio State. So like every time everything I get to see from him was mostly from afar. And yeah, he uh, he would do these little hesitation moves where it would just be I mean one tenth of a second where he would just hesitate. The way he would make people miss, I don't think I've seen. Uh, anybody make somebody miss the way he was. But, you know, you're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, too, who rushed for nearly 700 yards in three postseason games. So in, t- in terms of coming up big when your team needed you the most, yes, their offensive line was good. He had advantages. But, you know, I think I might just add Ezekiel Elliott as a luxury pick, more so than the receivers. Because in college football, if you've got a solid running game, uh, I think that's really all you need to, to go undefeated in a regular season. So They had it two years ago. And they didn't do it. I mean, but they had Mike Thomas two years ago, and they didn't do it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. Pro Coles and all of it. But anyway, if you're basically going off of need, it's probably receiver. If you're going off pure talent alone, I think it's got to be Zeke or Bosa. I think that makes sense. 
All Zeke right. or Bosa or Mike Thomas. Yeah. We didn't answer a question. You're saying Thomas, I'm saying Zeke. I think you gotta you gotta put it out there. Actually I'm saying Cameron Johnston. <sighs> Figures. He's on the Eagles though. Okay, uh I'll ask one more question and I don't know how far we want to get it because we talked about this a lot. Um question is from uh Tony Long, Mr. Long on Twitter. And he prefaces by saying, This question is so basic, but following JT's departure, who do you see starting at quarterback for Ohio State, given the new offensive plan that we think we'll, they'll have with Kevin Wilson as the offensive coordinator and Ryan Day as the quarterback's coach. Um, I think Dwayne Haskins is probably the obvious answer, right? I mean, we wrote, we wrote uh, a story. Uh, it was like a package, a conflicting package. Yeah. He wrote why Joe Burrow is the next guy, and I wrote why Dwayne Haskins is the next guy. But assuming that we think that Kevin Wilson is going to be here for two or three more years, and if that is the plan, the two-year contract is to create a down-the-field passing situation. Look, Joe Burrow can throw the ball really well, too. I think that I've been very impressed with the way he's been able to put some spin on that. But since Dwayne Haskins got here, I've always just assumed, and maybe it's the recruiting seeping into my mind, and I try my best not to allow recruiting rankings and profile of prospects to kind of impede my judgment once they're on the team but I just feel like Haskins seems to be the natural next step and that would be my guess I mean we've discussed it we've had an entire podcast about this but we've like talked I, about it a lot yeah I, I will I'll say this um there was so much talk about Dwayne Haskins during the Fiesta Bowl last year and I was buying into it um and then I tried to pump the brakes and and sort of tell myself like we can't just anoint this kid the next great Ohio State quarterback because of what guys are saying he's doing in bowl practice. But watching the spring game validated a lot of what I heard about Dwayne Haskins. And I watched him in high school, and I thought he was really good. Um, And I wasn't surprised to see that he was really good in the spring game. But some of the throws he made, I thought, were were excellent, excellent throws. And he wasn't throwing against the first-team defense. Um, He wasn't throwing to first-team receivers on every throw. But I thought he made some some, um, high degree of difficulty throws and seemed very confident sort of letting the ball fly. Um, different setting. It's a spring game. There's really no pressure. It's not playing Michigan State in Ohio Stadium in November. Um, but what I saw in that spring game led me to believe that Haskins is the guy. But I'll say this, and it's something I always go back to when we have this discussion, is when I asked Trevor Meyer what he looks for in a quarterback, he never listed arm strength as one of the priorities. Certainly it's important. But all the things that he listed were sort of intangible things like toughness and ability to extend the play and put your head down and go get an extra three yards. I don't know if Dwayne Haskins can do that. I've never seen it. I've seen Joe Burrow do it in high school. I think he's a really tough runner. Bill did stand on the sideline and watch I watched a from lo- the sideline. Yeah, I mean, uh, Burrow I watched a lot line. of Joe Burrow in high school, and he reminded me so much of JT Barrett that I just thought that it wasn't crazy that he'd be the guy who, who would succeed JT once JT was done. They're recruiting at an incredible level. I'm like 50-50 on who it's going to be, to be honest. And I think Joe Burrow has a real shot at doing it. And maybe that sounds crazy because he doesn't have, he doesn't have, the, arm, he doesn't have the arm talent of Dwayne Haskins. But I think he has everything intangible that Urban Meyer looks for. And you've written stories about how arm strength isn't a major factor for Ohio State quarterbacks, right? So why don't you explain yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just the thing I just said. It's it's that they, oh, look, excuse for, me. they look for accuracy <laughs> before they look for how far you can throw it. They look for ability to run and extend the play and whether or not you had a winning pedigree in high school, there's all these all these things that go into it. And, and that's not to knock Dwayne Haskins at all because he's super talented and he was good in high school and, and maybe he can run even if he wasn't asked to do it a lot in high school. 
I just know Joe Burrow can because I've seen it with my own two eyes, and I'm, I, I try not to assume that Dwayne Haskins is going to be a great runner. Um, the other thing we don't know is how much the quarterback run might disappear from this offense. I don't think it's going to. Maybe some people do because Kevin Wilson's here and they're going to chuck the ball around the yard. Um, I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case. But I will say that how they use JT will ultimately inform my decision on who I think will be the quarterback. And I know that's kind of a cop out, but I need to see what this offense actually looks like before we just assume that they're going to throw it 35, 40 times a game, and JT is not going to run it ten to fifteen times like he's done in the past. Okay, so my next question. Yeah, I'm out of questions. Uh, yeah. At least well, they were kind of light today, guys. Come on, you should have brought it. Chase Richardson. It's a two part question. Uh, one about Nuggets and one about Ohio State football. So mm-hmm. Chase Richardson at Chase KR8, who sends us a question every week and is a loyal listener. Chase, we appreciate you. I want your guys' opinion on realistic expectations for the secondary this year. I also want you to please rank chicken nuggets from fast food <laughs> restaurants. Did he say please? <laughs> he said please. Polite. It means that he needed. He needs the answer. He doesn't yeah. want it. He needs it. Yeah. Um, so first of all, realistic expectations. I think there was a lot written about uh, the secondary during spring football regarding um, how good this secondary can be. They have a ton of options. Most of those options are youthful. Um, but could that could it be as realistic to think that Ohio State's secondary could be as good as it was a year ago? And I personally don't think that using the word realistic, yes, it's realistic. It could happen. I think making that the expectation is your problem, um, if that's what you think. Ohio State had three players from the same secondary drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. If you think that's something that happens every year or talent that can be accumulated – Maybe that's the plan. That's the way they've recruited. All the guys that are going to be competing were highly rated five-star prospects. They brought some guys in that were highly coveted from every program in the country, and they're young. They enrolled early. There's a chance. I think it's possible that they could match how good they were last year in two years or three. I don't know if these freshmen are going to come in and, and really give the support they need. Now, you have Denzel Ward, um, who's who's going to be a, who was in that rotation last year with uh, Gary on Conley and Marshawn Lattimore and played really well. I think that he's going to be the cornerstone, but I think there are some some questions uh, outside of Damon Webb. Uh, you know, there, there's three or four spots that they need to fill in this rotation, and the people who are going to be filling those spots are we haven't seen yet. Kendall Sheffield is another name that was a JUCO transfer who a lot of people anticipate will be the other starting corner opposite of Ward, who. Uh, I've heard people say that, hey, this guy's going to be a first-round pick by the end of the year. If that happened, it wouldn't be surprising because it happens regularly here. But as good as last year, I think that it's a stretch to expect it. If it happens, that's a bonus, but don't expect it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's crazy. It's crazy to expect it, and it's like crazy. Kerry Combs says, "Oh, they're all they're all equally talented. They're all good." Sounds like a crazy person. Like he believes it, and you should believe it. And we're supposed to be skeptical, skeptical, so we're a little skeptical of it. But he's proved us wrong time and again, and we'll probably be wrong again. Um, realistic expectations, I think, are, are are still to be pretty good. I think that that is the expectation. Aside from the NFL stuff, you know, they're not going to have or likely won't have three guys drafted in the first round of the NFL draft um, next spring. But from a produ- production standpoint, I think what that group accomplished last year and really – you couldn't throw against them. Uh, the very few teams could throw the ball against them. Even Clemson, who beat Ohio State thirty-one to nothing in the Fiesta Bowl, like Deshaun Watson wasn't throwing it all over them. He made some really good throws, and Ohio State secondary made some good plays too. It was just a matter of they were on the field for the entire game, and, and they couldn't keep up. Um, I don't know if I can hold this incoming group to that standard without having seen really any of them play. Um, I think Denzel Ward would be good. I have questions about his his height, but he's incredibly fast, and I think he plays with good. Uh, 
good technique. He can stay on his guy. And I think so. he can hit for a little guy. Yeah, and I think he'll be fine. I think Kendall Sheffield uh, is kind of the same deal. He's a little unproven. He's never played cornerback on this level. He was at Alabama. He redshirted. He played at Blinn Junior College. He's never lined up across from a guy in November in a game that really, really matters in, in, in college football. So I have questions about how he might perform on that stage. Um, Damon Arnett is supposedly a guy who came on a lot in the spring. Um Kind of reminds me of like on the trajectory that Denzel Ward was on last year before coming into last fall. Damon Arnett seems to be on that path now, so they seem to have. Three he looked really good in the spring. He did, and they seem like they have three corners who they're really confident in: Ward, Arnett, and uh, and Kendall Sheffield. And then who knows what Jeffrey Okuda or Sean Wade might do? So they have some depth and they have some options. So I, I think the corners will be be okay, possibly really really good. Um, safety is where I would have a little more of a, of a question, just because Malik Hooker is so special. Like there's. You get a Malik Hooker like once every five, ten years. So to expect whoever it is who wins that spot, whether it's Jordan Fuller or, or Eric Smith or whoever, to come in and be what Malik Hooker was um, opposite Damon Webb at the other at the other safety spot, I think is really unrealistic. Uh, I don't think you just – you're not going to have that threat on the back end of the defense when the quarterback comes to the line and says, where's number 24? I can't throw the ball his way because he's going to run the width of the field and pick me off. Um, so that I'll never forget that play for the rest of my life. That I think that like that fear element of of Malik Hooker lurking in the back end of the defense is a real thing, and and that will not be there. So I'm interested to see how that might affect another team throwing the ball against Ohio State. Okay, Nuggets time. Nuggets. This is this is what you guys came for anyway, right? So I was thinking about it while you were talking about the secondary because I have priorities, and I'm thinking, <laughs> do we rank the three major chains, McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King, or yeah, are there other nuggets that you believe should be in the... First of all, do do Raising Cane's chicken tenders belong in this conversation? I'm adamant that they don't. No, I don't think they do either. I think, yes. those are Those are chicken strips, and that's the entire meal, and it's a different type of... I'm talking about the little nugs that you get at a fast food burger place. I think Chick-fil-A should be included in... in oh, Chick-fil-A is really... Nugget, that's a wild card. Nugget discussion. And if Chick-fil-A is included in the nugget discussion, I'm putting Chick-fil-A... I'm just going to give you my – I'll rank Chick-fil-A with the three other major okay, ones. Okay, go ahead. Chick-fil-A 1, Wendy's 2, uh, McDonald's 3, and Burger King 4. Okay, well, Burger King's 4. Yeah, Burger King's trash. Now, the thing that kind of throws a wrench into the discussion is when Wendy's comes out with the spicy ones. And I don't know if they always have them or not. I think at times they don't have them. Yeah. So I'm going to – if. If we're going to throw them in spicy, then they're pushing McDonald's for three, but I'm going to put Wendy's at three because I'm going to assume that we're not adding the spiciness factor. No, these are base. We're talking base nugs. Yeah, yeah. the base nug. And then I'm going to put Wendy's three. I think McDonald's nuggets are very battery. They're the heaviest of all of them, but they are amazing to me. I love them. I'm going to put Chick-fil-A two, and I'm going to put McDonald's number one. Wow. And, like, I think Doug would put McDonald's number four. Not to speak for you, Doug. I'm sorry, but like I do believe he thinks they're too thick and battery. I don't like McDonald's. Like I, they're they're fine. I, I eat them uh, quite a bit actually, but uh, they're fine. I eat them every day. They're, they're fine. fine. <laughs> I don't like them, but I eat them like three times a week. Um, no, I just think they're they're not even in, in my mind. They're not close at all to Chick Fil A. If you want to have the Wendy's McDonald's discussion, I guess I can have it, but I still think I come. I feel like Burger Kings there. are a knockoff version of Wendy's. Yeah, they're like uh, they're like. Um, there was like styrofoam version of Wendy's. So they, they're chicken far and away, yeah, but like good. Wendy's has chicken fries and like no, those Burger cheesy, or I mean, fries. sorry, Burger King has the chicken fries. And I think the chicken fries, the cheese ones, I don't know if you've ever had them, are pretty good. 
They're different. I don't I've know if we're putting chicken, chicken fries into the discussion because they're basically just rolled chicken nuggets. I mean, that's all it is. They're just like chicken nuggets shaped in a fry. And those taste better than their nuggets. But I really just have always liked McDonald's nuggets. And I love the sweet and sour sauce that you can get uh, at McDonald's and the honey mustard that they have there is pretty top notch. So that's kind of my thing. Now, I want to ask you another. I mean, I think quality-wise, Chick-fil-A is really good. And as you are aware, Doug tried to eat 50 of them during one of our podcasts, and I was dying the entire time watching him because I wanted to help. (laughs) Um, But I think if I was on my deathbed and somebody said, I'm going to bring you some nugs, I think I'm going to go McDonald's. I just... They're, they're the most fried and the most breaded, so that's just kind of my, my viewpoint on it. If it's a last meal scenario, I'm going Chick-fil-A and I'm not thinking twice about it. Um, okay, also, have you had the ones that Taco Bell has been advertising? Have you tried them yet? You know, I had the uh, the naked chicken chalupa. Is it, is it the same chicken from the naked I have never chicken? had the nuggets at Taco Bell. I couldn't tell you the last time I went to Taco Bell and drive through. I had to try, I had to try the chicken chalupa where the chicken is the shell of the chalupa. It was good. Also, this is going to sound crazy, but um, Walmart has a um, area in the front, like where they have like hot meals to go. You mm-hmm. know, like when you walk into a Walmart, they have popcorn chicken in there, and they're little balls of chicken, fire, yeah. and they're like a dollar. Like popcorn chicken's good. The popcorn chicken at McDonald's is really good, uh, but everybody on planet Earth likes raising canes. I just don't believe that they're in the same discussion. Yeah, and I like Zaxby's too. I've never had Zaxby's in the Zaxby's area. Zaxby's is good. And what was the other one when we were down south together? Did you eat? It wasn't Zaxby's. It was the. I don't know. Uh, There was another. Did I eat eat at Bojangles? Bojangles? Maybe. You might have gotten breakfast that day. The problem with with the discussion of fast food is that, um, like, there are regional fast food places, obviously, and everyone talks about the big three, but. I think there are probably people listening who live in places that have, like, a Bojangles, which you don't have here, or um, Hardee's, which I don't think we have here. There's Hardee's here. Are there Hardee's here? It's called Carl's Jr. It's the same restaurant. It's the same thing, yeah. Um, Rally's has the best fries. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough to have the conversation without having really experienced everything that's out there. But that's why we rank the big four that are everywhere. Yeah. But, okay. Chick-fil-A is number so one. So do we have any other football questions? I do not. Okay, why don't we talk about Zamir White for a minute? Okay. Uh, Tuesday, Zamir White, five-star running back from Georgia, com- or uh, from North Carolina, sorry. He's from Laurenburg, North Carolina, which is a hotbed for the Lumbee Native American tribe, of which I'm a proud member. Georgia, which generally sucks. <laughs> Zing. Every time, baby. That one was forced. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we have to mention that Georgia sucks in every podcast. I think you could just say, like, Georgia finally got a five-star running back who's not from Georgia. And they suck. Yeah. Uh, no, they got the five-star running back, but they still aren't recruiting their state. And I'm not going to give them any credit until they recruit their state. It was kind of a loss for Ohio State because about a month ago, a month ago or six weeks ago, Ohio State seemed to be right in the thick of things with him. Um, and for whatever reason... Ohio State lost momentum. They were no longer really talked about as a real destination for him. I think there were general rumors that his mother wanted him to stay close to home, and that was a major factor in his decision, and Georgia's a lot closer to North Carolina than Ohio State is. Um, Yada, yada, yada. What I will say is that Ohio State has two running backs committed. One is Brian Sneed from Seffner, Florida. He's the number four running back in the country. They are all set at running back. And Master, he keeps bumping up a little bit. Every every few months, I feel like his ranking is going up. Because yeah. when he was committed, when he originally committed, he was very young. So I don't think the rankings were complete yet. Like the composite rankings and stuff that 
impact his decision or his he actual was, ranking. Like he hadn't had like a rivals or a scout ranking when they first committed. So I think he that was, was the a, first commit, right? In 18 yes. at Friday Night Lights last year. So when he committed, it was kind of hard to really understand the impact of what that commitment meant. But now that you see him in the rankings, it's a huge commitment. And then yeah. we talked about Master Teague last week. Um, three-star kid, but I think he's going to get a bump up to four. He looks like a physical beast. He worked out and earned an offer at Ohio State. And even though it's kind of crazy, I sometimes respect the kids more that come and work out in front of the coaches and earn the offer here, not because the other ones aren't good, but I think it should feel warm inside if you're an Ohio State fan to know that Urban Meyer and the running backs coach of your favorite team got to watch him perform in person. And Mm -hmm. when they saw it happen in person, they're like, this guy needs to be a part of our program. So to me, I would take more stock into that than I would the rankings. Rankings are done um, some places very well, some places not as well. Um, uh, from people who don't watch them in the same way that a college coach would watch them because they understand exactly how specific skill sets work into their actual program. So I think that when you have two solid running backs, the way Ohio State does already commit in 2018, they were all set. The only reason why they still wanted to get this Amir White commitment was because you want a five-star kid that's as good as he is. He's the number one running back in the country. So you, you take the commitment and you figure out the numbers later. I think that's just the way it will always work if – I don't know if they have 17 cornerbacks on the roster and a Jeffrey Okuda pops up and wants to come to Ohio state, he's going to have a spot and they'll figure it out later. So, um, kind of a loss because it's always nice uh, to have those sexy rankings. Um, you know, another five-star kid, another reason to boast about how elite the actual group is. But I think I read a stat, uh, on Twitter that would be easily looked up, but I'm just going to say it a nine of Ohio state's 13 commits right now are top hundred prospects in some of the rankings. So they're 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 stacked right now, and running back wasn't a need, and I think that that generally would put an end to their running back pursuit in this class. Who's next then? Who do you think? There's because there's some commitments coming up in July. A couple of Texas receivers, Alvante Woodard to Brennan Eagles. We think they're not going to commit to Ohio State. Uh, right now, I don't know that Ohio State's the favorite in either of them. Seems like Texas is for both, right? He he put that in his calendar because this is this is part of the transition phase. So I stay on top of things, man. I put it. Uh, I put it in my calendar. I get a little. When do you alert. get the reminder? Day before, and then I remember it. For the next because day. Uh, this is your thing now, man. It's my thing now. Yeah, I'm going to try to uh, do a little more recruiting stuff myself now that Ari is on the on the move to the athletic. I'm still going to bury him. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but you want to talk about the opening? I don't know how much you've looked, but the opening is this weekend in uh, uh, Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Ohio State. How many of their commits are going? Nine of the 13? Eight are going. Eight. Um, I want to look something up real quick. Uh, but it's the big camp every year, and I'm sure you're aware if you're in a recruiting nut by now, but they have these regional camps. We went to the one in Cleveland a month ago or two months ago, and they basically invite the most elite prospects uh, in the country to come out, work out, compete. And it's just basically the biggest showcase in the country every year of the best talent in the country. And Ohio State has 8 of 13 of their commitments who are invited, if that gives you an idea of just how stacked this class is. And there's usually a lot of videos and pictures and stuff that um, happen at this event. Uh, We haven't gone yet. I'm assuming that in the future we will find the budget, Cleveland.com, to send a bill. But I don't know know, when that will be. But however, I want you to keep track with Bill through the weekend because he's going to be all over it. Yeah, okay, so here's an interesting thing about the opening. And so all of Ohio State's eight commits are all on the same team at the opening. I don't know how um, normal that is. I don't, I'm not 100% sure how they, how they put the teams together. 
But all eight of Ohio State's commitments are on the same team. But then there's also a bunch of targets. So I'm just reading the team. Jalen Gill is on the team. Brennan Eagles, we just talked about, is on the team. Alvante Woodard is on the team. Taraja Mitchell, who's a linebacker, who's going to Ohio State, is there. Solomon Tulia Pupu is on the team. Anthony Cook is on the team. Seven Banks is on the team. Josh Proctor, who's committed, is on the team. Jaden Woodbay is on the team. Jackson Carmen is on the team with all those guys. Devontae Dobbs is a major 2019 offensive lineman is on that team. Taron Vincent, defensive lineman. Brenton Cox, defensive lineman. Andrew Chatfield, defensive lineman. Those are eight Ohio State commits and like four pretty high-priority Ohio State recruiting targets in 2018, and they were all on the same team in the opening finals, which I thought was very interesting. And I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to how they put these teams together. Maybe you would know better than I do from from covering in the past, but I, th- I thought that was, it was very interesting to put all those guys on the same team. And that means that those guys are going to be spending a lot of time together. And I think it often gets overblown how how important and the impact of guys getting in each other's ear can be. But I don't think it hurts Ohio State that they have eight commits on the same team and there's three or four other guys on that team who they really want. They're going to be hanging out for four or five days together. No kid's ever going to commit to Ohio State because he has a friend who's committed to Ohio State. Right. Um, and I think that sometimes people overblow the um, you know importance of that. But conversely, I'm 30 years old almost and turning 30 in July. We can send my send me money as a gift. Um, <laughs> companionship is a major part of human. Leaving Cleveland.com was hard for me because of how I feel about Doug and Bill. So to use that point, it's just more familiarity that people will have it with other people who are committed to a program. So when they visit, they're likely to have a better experience because they're people they don't know. And, and what's crazy is, is that these highly recruited kids kind of are in a frat a little bit, um, yeah. a high school frat where they have group chats and they talk to each other and they're all going through the same things. They're all deciding official visits. They're all visiting you know, they're all coming up with commitment videos and all the things. They're all kind of doing the same thing, and they can only relate to the other people who are going through it. And I think having eight commitments for Ohio State at a place that's on the same team um, with a bunch of other Ohio State targets is only going to be good because what's going to happen? They're kids. They're going to become friends. Nobody's going to make a decision based on those relationships, but maybe if they form those relationships and they come on their official visit to Ohio State in November and those kids are there, then it becomes more familiar. It becomes more comfortable. It becomes more natural. Their experience is better, and I think at times it isn't necessarily what a kid will tweet at somebody on Twitter, but more so the un, the subconscious familiarity factor that is created in situations like this. And I think having as many Ohio State guys in Oregon for this camp is a huge thing for Ohio State. And a lot of those guys that you mentioned as part of the same team I think are eventually going to commit to Ohio State. Some of them I think even have their mind made up if they don't want to say it publicly. Big weekend for Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I want to see if I have any silly questions we can get out on. Did you watch Lost? You don't watch Lost, did mm-hmm. you? Stephen H. wanted to know what the best character on Lost, who the best character on Lost was. Uh, Sorry, bud. The dog. That's actually true. Um, Doug Galillo wants to know the thing I'll miss about you the least. There's nothing on that list, Doug. Oh, come on. Come on. I annoy you. Come on. Say something. Uh, my feelings. I do stuff. No, honestly, I know because I saw this a while ago, and I thought like what I could say that would even be like half true, but still kind of funny. And I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe you're an uh, incessant need to listen to rap music all the time. Guitar never hurt anybody, you know. Maybe we can mix in some some rock and roll on a road trip or something. But other than we that, did mix some rock and roll in a little bit. Yeah, you were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I and like he, my music, man. And then you woke up, and it was back to the hip hop. No, and I like rap music too. And I learned a lot about rap music actually uh, on road trips over the last few years with you. But. uh 
That's not my preferred uh, style. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? We have a deal. But that's true. I you drive, drive, I listen. Yeah. So don't. But I, I appreciate that, and I can I can see why maybe a guitar never killed anyone, <laughs> uh, especially considering that Bill was a child of the uh, emo rock birth era, big time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's he, Gaslight Anthem guy and yeah. uh, Cartel and all those. I mean, I listened to those when I was in college too, but I. I'm take, 30. Take so. back Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like I listen to them now. It's like I still shouldn't like this stuff, but I do. But, yeah. um, so I don't know if that's going to be a shorter one. I'm going to Phoenix tonight to see yeah, my family, to so i got to get to the airport. Um, this is not goodbye for me. Um, we're going to at least do one more, but again, I think the hope is, and I think it's a pretty rational hope that we'll be able to continue this. I think you guys enjoy it. We enjoy making it. Um, and really, it's a great tool for you know talking things out, exploring story ideas, and you know, we generally enjoy interacting with you guys, and more so than anything, talking about chicken nuggets. So, <laughs> for Doug Maurice, who is not here, and I won't see until the end of July, which will be the longest gap in time I go without seeing him since I met him. Uh, Bill Landis, who is going to Florida in a few weeks. I am. And for me, who is going to Europe, and then returning to another job. <laughs> that was the latest edition of Buckeye Talk.